Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Menares. I believe that we all need a space to speak our authentic truth, as well as a space to hear the truths of real and vulnerable people so that we can better understand that we are not alone. Hearing the experiences of others encourages us to step into the light in our own lives. It is through owning our stories and learning to speak our truth that we are able to grow and rise above the challenges we face and step into the full power of all we were created to be. You will hear many topics discussed in this space with people from all over the world. We hope that you feel welcomed into a community of growth and that this space will invite you to uncover the absolute greatness that is already inside of you. Oh, and don't forget, check out all the We Podcast episodes as well as the We Spot blog over at thewespot.com. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey girl, it's me. You're listening to episode number 66, Owning Your Whole Story. In this episode, I get to talk with Natasha Paris. Natasha is known as an expert in raising a purpose-driven family, an advocate for health and wellness, and a woman that is unapologetic about her love for God. Natasha married her middle school sweetheart, Army soldier, and drone executive, Alexander Paris. During their 23 years of marriage, they have built an incredible and widely known family with six children. She has built her influence internationally as a result of sharing over a thousand videos on social media and being the CEO of the global community Excellent Families, dedicated to teaching families how to be purposeful by mastering the four pillars, spiritual, physical, financial, and mental. Natasha attributes the birth of her success to the commitment to her health. The impact of her juicing journey fuels her passion for health and now her international business to help others do the same. From her experience of building her family, community, and business, Natasha says, you will only find success in truly walk out your purpose and plan God has for your life when you challenge yourself to live outside of your comfort zone. Her story is a testament and her conviction is her motivation to keep sharing her expertise worldwide. I was absolutely blown away by Natasha's story and her ability to be totally real and vulnerable. From sharing troubles in her marriage early on with infidelity to being a former exotic dancer, Natasha walks fully in her truth and invites us into her whole story, encouraging each of us to do the same. She shows us how we can move forward in any situation, even when it's hard. Her strength and unwavering faith is truly inspirational. I really love this interview with Natasha, and I know that you're going to love it too. So let's dive in. Here we go. Here is my interview with Natasha. Welcome to this episode of the WE Podcast. I'm very excited to have the amazing Natasha Paris here to chat with me today. I got to see Natasha in person a couple weeks ago at the Moms Who Rise conference, and it was absolutely amazing 
to hear her speak and to hear her heart and her story. And so I am so super excited to have her here today to talk with all of you. So thank you so much, Natasha, for being here. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. I'm so excited. And we've been online together for so long. So it was great to meet you in person and get on your podcast. I'm really excited to share today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we did meet online, essentially, gosh, two and a half, three years ago now. How long has it been? Yeah, I I believe about three years now. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) Fast it goes by. (laughs) Yeah. So I love, love, love always pointing out, you know, Facebook connections because I think it's so cool when we can truly connect in that way. Facebook can be amazing for that. It's really amazing. I know sometimes there's a lot of negativity that surrounds Facebook, but I found some of my best relationships and connections have made, have been through social media. So very grateful for the relationship that has been formed through this platform. It's just been great. Yeah. Well, thank you. So I have to say that when I heard you speak at the conference, I definitely heard things about your story that I had no idea about. And I think there's such beauty really is an example of the beauty of vulnerability, because as soon as I heard some of the stuff that you shared, which I think you're going to share today, I was like instantly felt so much more connected to you. (laughs) Like this girl understands, right? And I think that so often it's hard, it's scary to share our truth and our story and and where we've come from and what we've been through. But you just did such an amazing job sharing from your heart. And I think that's really, from what I can tell, a part of who you are. Absolutely. I think a lot of times, you know, when you see people on social media, you just see just a glimpse of their lives, you know, and me personally, I do try my very best, you know, to, you know, show that, you know, as, you know, as much as it would perceive that our family is, you know, this beautiful family, I try my best to, you know, always share little bits and pieces of our story. Now, I don't go too deep. I think when I first started on social media, I really shared a lot about my marriage testimony, like about five, six years ago, when I really started on social media, I remember my first live video, that I ever did, I remember, you know, just declaring to everyone, like, I'm going to be as real with you as possible. I didn't ever wanted people to look at me or my family to and think that we had it perfect. And then for them to, you know, Google Gaga over us, like we want to be like the Paris family. No, you don't, you know, because sometimes people, you, you see the glory, but you don't know the story. You don't know the trials and the tribulation mm-hmm. that we had to go through to get there. Right. And there's it's there's no perfect family. There's no perfect marriage. I mean, that stuff doesn't exist. So I really do try to always plug that in. You know, that's why I go live as much as I do. So people can come into my world. You know, I show every aspect of my house, you know, every aspect of my family, us dancing, us working out just so people can see it's not like this perfect life, you know, that, you know, people portray. Because I think a lot of times people get depressed and a lot of depression starts to form because people watch others on social media, right? Because we look at these people's lives and like, oh, we want this, we want that. But in reality, you know, that's not the whole complete picture. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I love that. They see the glory, but they don't know the story. Have you memed that yet? <laughs> <laughs> 
I've used that a couple of times, but I probably think I, I, I think I probably need to, you know, share that again because it's important. You know, people need to see the story behind a notable story behind the glory. Mm-hmm. Totally. So we'll kind of get to where you are now, and I know you're leading lots of groups online. You have six amazing kids. People are probably seeing a lot of the glory that's currently happening in your life. And I love that. And that's amazing. And my favorite place to go is into the story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to kind of take us back to your earlier story and how things kind of got started out for you. Absolutely. So just a little background of me. I was born in Haiti. Okay. I came to the United States when I was eight years old. My father, who at the time had, I think, eight children, he brought my mother to the United States first and then a few of my older siblings. And so when I got to the United States, I thought I was going to be, you know, coming to a complete family. And so when I got you know, to Jacksonville, Florida, my parents had already separated, were actually divorced within a year, divorced. Um, my dad bought my mom a bus ticket and sent her off to Miami. And I didn't see my mother again until I was maybe 12 years old for a weekend. We went to visit her and then I didn't see her again until after I was married. And I think that part of my story shaped, you know, played a huge role in my life because here I was now coming to a country, don't speak the language, of course, don't know anyone. We were, of course, very, very poor. And I was needing a parent, my mother, and she wasn't there. And she never called. She, you know, aside from mm-hmm. that, seeing her that weekend, there was really no relationship there. So it really left a piece of me that was broken. It left a piece of me that felt unwanted, unloved. So it made me a very needy child. Like I always need attention. Mm-hmm. And my father, who did the best that he could, you know, he was one of those very strict Haitian fathers that, you know, was his way or no way. So in my teenage years, I became, I, I got very rebellious. And at the age of 13 is when I met who I'm still married to now, my husband, Alex. We met in the sixth grade and then seventh grade, we played that, you know, do you like me? Yes or no, you know, circle yes or no here and all that. (laughs) Um, um, By the time we're in the ninth grade, ninth grade year, our freshman year in high school is the only year that we weren't together. We had actually broke up. Our junior year, our 10th grade year, we got back together. Our junior year, we got engaged. Our senior year in high school, we actually moved together. So imagine high school seniors live literally grown up. Like Mm -hmm. we had a rent, we had car payment. And so that really, really, you know, made me grow up really, really fast because by the age of 18, 19, I was already living with my, at the time, boyfriend and just trying to finish high school. And so at that time I started, I needed, well, the summer between my, going to my senior year, I knew that I needed money. This is another changing part of my life that kind of like shaped who I am. I started running out of money and I know I had to go into my senior year. So I told Alex at the time that I'm going to spend the summer with my sister, which actually what happened was my dad kicked me out the house. Okay. My dad kicked me out the house, going to my senior years, how I end up living out the house. And then, so I went to live with my sister in Miami and began exotic dancing. 
I was a stripper. <laughs> and I did that for the whole summer in Miami, Florida. At this time, I'm 17, going on 18 years old, still have to graduate high school, dancing with these grown men, these real grown women. And I'm a kid. I'm a child. So I grew up really quick. I grew up really fast. I remember that summer I made $10,000. You know, I remember that number. I made $10,000 and that was going to be what I needed to, you know, finish my senior year in high school. And so that's what I did. I went back to Jacksonville. That's when Alex and I, we moved in together. And then around maybe the last two months of my senior year, I started, that's when I started running out of money and I went back to dancing again. And then my husband, you know, then we graduate high school and then Alex goes off to boot camp and we got married right before he went off to boot camp, but we didn't get married. I mean, of course we loved each other, Mm -hmm. but we didn't get married because, you know, it's marriage. You know, we got married because it was the next right thing. It was the next right thing to do. Everybody knew that we were old high school sweethearts. We were prom king and queen. Okay. So now you go in the military, let's get married. Mm -hmm. But I mean, now that of course I look back at it, we weren't ready to get married. I know I wasn't. I was a broken person, broken mm-hmm. individual. I had so many different pieces of me that needed to be put together. I didn't know who I was. I didn't, of course, love myself. And here I am standing in the courthouse, you know, saying these vows to this boy, not really understanding what I was really doing, you know, because I remember one of my pastors, he used to always say, you know, after you say I do, you're through. You know, of course, I didn't really grasp that. I didn't understand, you know, what marriage meant and how it was honorable before the Lord. And I didn't really understand that. So we just went through it. And my husband goes off to boot camp. And here I am still in the exotic dancing world. And I had my first affair, you know, and I always tell people, you know, when you expect to have an affair, you expect it to be with a guy. But my first affair was actually with a girl. And I remember my husband comes back from boot camp. Of course, I wasn't going to be the one to, you know, confess this to him. So he eventually found out and it broke him. And that was another changing point in my life. That first affair that I had, my husband comes back and he finds out that I've broken his heart. You know, my husband was, he was just, and still is very humble, very quiet, very mild personality person. But that first affair really changed a part of him, you know, and men, you know, as I teach women about marriage, you know, a man will cheat for, you know, sex. Mm-hmm. No, a woman cheats out of emotions. Okay. So mm-hmm. when a man cheats to him, it's just sex. It's nothing. But when a woman cheats on a man, it does something to a man, you know, and some men can never get over it. And at the time where I thought my husband got over it, he forgave me. Because right after that affair happened, we were, you know, set to go to off to our first duty station. We got through it. So I thought we immediately went to our first duty station, of course, pregnant immediately with our first child, Alexis Paris, who was amazing, mm-hmm. <laughs> our oldest now. And I remember before you go off to your first duty station, they usually send you to school. So I got pregnant when my husband came back from boot camp. So it was like a period of two, three months, me being yeah. home. In the club, I remember dancing upside down, pregnant with Alexis. I'll never forget that. Like hanging on a pole and I'm like (laughs) weeks pregnant, dancing with this baby in my belly. And I remember the dancers would run up to me and they'd be like, and my stage was Sweet Tea. They'd be like, Sweet Tea, you need to get down. You need to get down. I'm like, girl, please, I'm fine. You know? (laughs) 
<laughs> of course, you know, at 19 years old, and I look at my kids now, and I'm like, and I have a 19 year old now who's in the Air Force, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, the difference that it makes when you don't have parents in your life that directs oh, you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That helps you, that shapes you. And oh, I didn't God. have that, Sarah. You know what I mean? I didn't have parents, my, my mother not being there, my father was just the provider. Like, I don't ever remember. You know, my dad sitting me down talking to me about anything, you know, right. so I basically raised myself, you know, I had to learn everything on my own. So back to the story. So my husband comes back. Of course, he finds out we end up moving to New York, our first duty station. And then I think maybe a year into it, my husband has his first affair. And I remember, of course, it broke me because I'm thinking, OK, you forgave me we're good. You know what I mean? Like we're going to get through this. No, no. This man held this thing in his heart and the military alone in itself is already tough on a new soldier. And so the military really changed, shifted a lot of stuff in my husband, you know, coming from a very quiet, timid person to be introduced to women in alcohol, terrible mix. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So it really shaped him. So when people see us as a military family and they thank us for our service, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, you have no idea what a soldier, what military families go through, what these soldiers have to go through, what a military wife has to go through. I mean, that's just a whole different story, all the things I had to go through with my husband as a military wife. Mm-hmm. So, so that's basically, you know, my story up till, you know, then it gets really crazy. <laughs> I'd want to take all the time. <laughs> it's so interesting because you talked about dancing upside down. I can relate with you. When I found out I was pregnant with Aubrey, I was drinking beer and smoking cigarettes as I was waiting for the pregnancy test to come back. <laughs> wow. So I think, <laughs> and maybe this is why I was so drawn to you when I heard your story because I can completely relate to being in that place and gosh for so long the shame that surrounded that for me was intense Mm -hmm. I think man there's just so much power in being able to own it and understanding how broken we we were at that point yeah and that's the power of transparency and I always tell people all the time like you need to be able to share your story. Like, I don't feel like people are completely free until they can own it, until they can say, you know what, this is where I was, this is what I did, and this is where I am now. This is how I overcame. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know, and I always like to share this, because I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I always, you know, I'm very open with that. Mm-hmm. I'm always unashamed to share that. But a scripture that always comes to me, and this is why I'm so open with my story, Sarah, is there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about that we are overcome, like people are overcome by two things, the blood of the lamb, which is the blood of Jesus, and by the words of your story, of your testimony. Now, mm-hmm. if we think about that for a second, people are literally overcome by two things, and they compare it to the blood of Jesus in our story, you know? So mm-hmm. if my story and what I went through and what I did, someone can hear that and say, you know what, man, I'm not as terrible as I thought I was. Wow. Mm-hmm. If she was forgiven, I can be forgiven too. And if they can overcome by hearing me, oh my God, I'm going to share it everywhere I go. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I, I, you know, I I appreciate you giving me the platform to share the story, my story. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing it. I, it's, it's inspiring for sure. And so I love to hear you unfold the next part where it gets 
chaotic. You said that. <laughs> yes. Okay. So after we, after the first affair, now this is, but you have to understand who Alex and I were in high school as kids. Like my husband was probably the best boyfriend on the planet. Like he was amazing, Sarah. Like he was my, okay, this is how terrible I used to be, right? He was my school boyfriend, but I always had a boyfriend, like a man boyfriend. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was just that crazy. Like he was my school boyfriend that was cared, you know, took my books, you know, walked me to class, carried my books and, you know, did that for me. But I always had some random crazy dude, you know, on the side. Now I wasn't a sexual being. Like it's one thing about me. Like I wasn't one of those girls that was promiscuous having sex everywhere. Mm -hmm. That wasn't me, but I just always needed that attention. I always needed for a man to like always be there to tell me I'm beautiful. So that's why I believe in affirmations and building my children's confidence so much because Mm -hmm. as a kid growing up, I just felt like I always needed a man to tell me how beautiful I was. Mm -hmm. And so that's why exotic dancing was so exotic to me because when I was on stage, I felt so beautiful because all these men were after me. They wanted me. They didn't necessarily love me, but they, you know, they treasured me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here it is now, this guy, my husband or Alex, my boyfriend, my, well, now my husband, who I knew loved me, who cherished me, who, okay, yes, I cheat on you. Okay, but you cheat on me? Are you kidding me? So when I found that he actually had this affair, like I was broken. Like I was broken. I remember because girl, before I got my come to Jesus meeting, my come in Jesus time with God, I was crazy. So I remember finding where this girl lived and she literally lived two blocks away from me okay so Mm -hmm. of course being the crazy Haitian that I was back in the day I of course grab a knife out of the drawer and now I'm going to look for this girl okay I don't know how I found where she lived my husband's that's a a terrible cheater okay I mean literally terrible like (laughs) stuff everywhere for me to find so I got her address went to her door and this is when I tell you that when I write my book when I get to it when I write my book it's going to be amazing Yes, it is. <laughs> it's such a bad book. So I go up to her door because I remember going up to her stairs. I remember wanting to slash her title. I say, no, I'm going I'm to leave that for when I get to her. So I get to her door with a knife in my back. And she opens this and she opens the door and she's a soldier. She's also in the military. And of course, I start cussing her out. And of course, the whole that kind of thing. Right. And then I don't know what it was. You know, she invited me to come in. I invited to come to, to come in. And then I came into her, into her, her house. I sat down, we just talked. And then this girl, Sarah breaks down. She starts crying to me. <laughs> she starts crying to me and starts saying, I don't know why I did it. I am so sorry. You don't deserve this. This has happened to me too. Blah, blah, blah. At the end of the conversation, I asked this girl, could I pray for her? And she gave her life to God. Wow. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. You just cheated on my husband. <laughs> I mean, you just cheated on me with my husband. And here I am walking you through the prayer mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. So that was just an amazing moment in my life. And that's when I really understood forgiveness. That's when I really mm-hmm. understood okay, people are jacked up. But when people do stuff, they don't do it necessarily to hurt you. They're broken within themselves. Okay. Mm-hmm. So of course I get back home. I tell my husband the story. So I'm thinking we're good, but it didn't stop. This was almost like the beginning of hell for us because what I didn't realize, and I teach about this a lot, is parents need to really sit their children down and talk about 
their past with their kids, you know, because Mm -hmm. had our parents, my parents and my husband's parents sat us down and said, you know what? We both have lust issues. You know, we're cheaters, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. this is what, this is who we are. It's in our bloodline. Because my dad is this like, still this man is in his eighties and he still can't get it together, you know? Mm -hmm. And I can't talk about Alice's family, but there's issues on that side as well. It's in our, both of our bloodlines. But if our parents would have sat us down and said, this is what happened to us in our marriage. Don't allow this to happen to you. It would have helped my husband and I, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's why raising my children, oh, my kids know everything when it's age appropriate. They know our story. We don't hide anything from them. We say, look, this is what we did. It sucked. It hurt. But this is what's in your bloodline. Let's break the generational curse right here. So it Mm -hmm. does not happen to you. So it began to happen to us, Sarah. You know, it was affair after affair. It was tick for tack. And again, and this is the honest to God truth, I am not a sexual being. Like, I mean, I have sex, but I don't have it because, oh my gosh, I, I, I need to have sex. Mm-hmm. I have sex because, you know, I need to, you know, do that with my, with my husband, you know? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I had affairs, it wasn't because I was this sexual person. It was because that, A, this Nickelodeon wasn't doing right. And I got to get back at him. Mm-hmm. And then B, I was still broken in within myself that I needed that attention as well, you know, but it was mm-hmm. never any attachment, you know? So let me fast forward. I don't, I don't know the number of affairs that we went back and forth. I really don't know. But what I can tell you is I remember about Alexandra just turned 11. I can always age it by her. So maybe 13 years ago, I remember getting to a point in my life that I was tired. I really wanted to, because at this, this whole time, Sarah, let me tell you mm-hmm. that I was going to church. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I was singing in the choir. Okay. And that's why when people see people that go to church, they think they're perfect people. They are not. Mm-hmm. They're broken people. We just made a decision. That's it. But we're still struggling. Right. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, I got tired, Sarah. One of my pastors used to always say, there's a time when you get saved, like you give your life to God, and there's a time when you for really get saved. So 13 years ago, I for really got, I got it together. Mm-hmm. And I remember making a vow to God. I said, God, if you take this from me, because this is the thing that people don't understand. Everybody struggles with something, okay? I don't mm-hmm. care if it's alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be gambling, it might be pornography. Everybody has something that they're dealing with, they're struggling with. Mine was just having an affair with my husband. That's what mm-hmm. it was. That was the thing that was trying to like literally take me under. And I remember talking to God. I had a serious conversation. I recommend everybody to do this, if, especially if someone's struggling with something in their life that they can't seem to get over, whether it's just smoking cigarette, you know? Mm-hmm. Issues are issues, okay? Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, God, please take this from me. Because I was, at this point, look, I'm tired. It was just not even worth my time anymore. These men was getting on my nerves. I got tired of lying and sneaking around. Let me say this too, because I don't want you to, anyone listen to this thinking that our whole marriage was like this. No, we'd go three, four years and we were good. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we'd go five years and we were good. But every once in a while, boom, you know, we'd mess up. Right. Mm-hmm. And usually we'd confess it. That's just how dysfunctional we were. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd, we'd have these great moments because my husband and I were like best friends. Right. We'd have these great moments of conversation and we're just like, listen, I messed up. OK, you did. We cry. We'd be like, you know, we have these fights and then we come back together. But I remember having this conversation with God. If you take this away from me, 
I promise you, you know, I will live, I will live right before you. I will do it. But just take this desire from me. And I remember going to my husband after I prayed that prayer and I told him, I said, listen, I said, I made a vow to God and I'm serious about it. I said, it's not that I'm going to stop cheating on you because in my own self, and this is a true, con real conversation I had with this man. I said, in my own self, I can't, I can't do it because whatever this is in me is really strong. I said, I'm going to be faithful to God and you're going to reap the benefits of that. So I'm just going to just be faithful to you. Not because I can and even really want to, bro, <laughs> just to be honest, I'm just going to be faithful to God and you reap the benefits of me being faithful to him. And that was the last time, Sarah. Mm -hmm. That was my last time, my last affair. It was about 13 years ago. I've been clean. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> our alcoholics or drug addict, they'd be like, I've been clean, honey. I've been clean. Okay? Yeah. I mean, to the point to where when dudes reach out to me, on, I, I don't know if this, is this too real? Is this too much, Sarah? Oh, no, I love it. It's good. <laughs> Keep going, girl. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Some people can handle this, right? I remember... You know, men would reach out to me on Facebook. It got to the point to where men reach out to me on Facebook. Girl, if I show you my messenger, you wouldn't believe it. How many dudes reach out to me all mm -hmm. the time in the streets? I mean, always reaching out. I'm like, no, it's not going to happen, bro. I don't think so. And it's mm -hmm. not because I, I love my husband so much. I love him, but it's not because of him. I look into a greater power, the power that created me, the one that gives me life every single day. And so I always tell people, your why better be bigger than a human being. Mm. It better be, it better be so big because men, people are going to disappoint us, you know? Yeah. And when we put our trust into men or a woman, you know what I mean? We're going to be disappointed every time. But when you put your trust in God and the creator of the universe, that's where you're going to get victory. And so that's how I find my peace. I mean, I can't speak for anybody else. That's where I found my peace. And so fast forward, I had this conversation with this dude, this man, my husband. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, we're good now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I done told you, bro. Like, I've declared that like, I'm going to be good. Like, we're, I'm done. Mm -hmm. The brother wasn't done, Sarah. <laughs> he wasn't on the same page. No, he wasn't. He wasn't on the same page, you know? And then, you know, what that taught me too is everybody has their own walk. Mm. Yeah, we're married, we're yeah. one, but everyone has their own walk. And this man had his own walk. And for a long time, I didn't understand it. Because here I am now being good, not even thinking about another man, not nothing being real good. And I'm even now getting to the point, I want to be a good wife. Like I want to be, you know, humble, the stuff I wasn't doing. I want to respect this dude, like the stuff that I wasn't doing. Cause I was a very terrible wife to him. You know, now I really want to do this whole wife thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Brother was not, mm -mm. brother was not, I mean, he would be out drinking two, three o'clock in the morning. Oh my God, girl. When I tell you, I went through hell with this man, hell with him. It was terrible. But the last affair is what really, really broke me is what I want to focus on now because I think, you know, this part might help someone because this affair is, you know, my husband's had affairs in the past. And of course I have, I've had some as well, but this one, he actually got his emotions. You know how I talked in the beginning, men mm -hmm. only have, you know, they only connect because of sex. But this time he actually had developed feelings for this female and she was another soldier that worked with him in the office. So they spent a lot of time together. 
I say a lot of time, but literally the affair happened a matter of three months. They got so close together. And one night he didn't come home and he's never done that before. Like he always came home. He would do his dirt, but he's not the type of dude that's going to be out. You know, he comes home. So he didn't come home. And to make a long story short, you know, it was basically the affair that separated our family because after he told me that he actually, in his words, she has my heart almost threw up in my mouth when he said that to me. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this one's serious. You know, the other ones, you know, it was like, whatever, that's between you and your God, get it together type of thing. But this one, I was like, wow, I've lost him. At the time we were in the process of moving to New Jersey. This was about eight years ago. We were in the process of moving to our last, I would say our last duty station here, which we're still in New Jersey. And I mean, boxes were coming in the next three to four days. I mean, we already found a house in Jersey, everything. And then everything came to a halt because now there's a huge investigation because the military, it's illegal for you to have an affair in the military. I don't know if anybody knew that. Mm. You can get court-martialed Wow. for having an affair. So everything halted. Okay, two families were broken. She was under investigation. He was under investigation. And it tore our family apart. But of course, I'm telling you, Sarah, not even, no, it wasn't the first day. That's a lie. The second day I forgave him. (laughs) (laughs) The first day I was very, very, very upset. It was very, it was terrible. But the second day, again, you know, I forgave him and I told him I want to make it work, but he wasn't ready. He didn't want to come back to the house. Now he's facing charges. It was just terrible. Long story short, after everything cleared up, they got everything they were going to get because they couldn't even prove that they had an affair, whatever. You know, they gave him a little slap on the wrist and, you know, released both of them. And then he was able to come to New Jersey. He came with us maybe a month after we got to Jersey. But it was just so much. It was so painful because he was dealing with his own stuff. I think now not all the stuff that he had done in the past is eating him up. You know what I mean? Like now he's facing his demons like I had to face mine in my my moment with God right mm-hmm. so now he's facing his own demons and of course at the time I'm praying wife I'm praying I'm believing God I'm seeing him through I'm doing everything I can to help him through this process and I remember one day God spoke to me and God released me and this was like after six months even those six months I made him leave the house he got his own apartment I, rem- I remember helping him get his own apartment I mean, we went through that whole process, but I remember the day that God released me to leave. So I packed up my babies and we moved back to Jacksonville, Florida. It was hard. You know, mm-hmm. here I am now, never been by myself. Okay. Remember the story? We've been together yeah. forever since we were like 13 years old. You know, I don't know any other man really, you know, aside from my husband, he's the only man that I really know. And so now I'm by myself with five children, five girls. We move in with my mom. And we lived in one room with five children, six of us in one bedroom. And it wasn't a big bedroom either. Mm. But I could tell you it was probably one of the most, one of the best times in our lives because, you know, I love to hear Lexi's side of this story because it always brings tears to my eyes because that's the time she really got connected with God. That's the time she matured spiritually because she's the oldest at the time. She was probably maybe 16 17, no, probably younger than that, maybe 15, 16. And that's the time she found her relationship with God and developed that relationship with God because all we did that time was literally pray. We prayed for dad every morning. We wake up at 5 30. And that's what really established 
our family prayer time, when people see us praying in the mornings and we've been doing that for years, mm-hmm. five years, six o'clock in the morning, we wake up as a family and pray. It was established maybe a year before the separation, but it really deepened uh, around that time, you know? So, and I always want to remind people when adversity happens in your life, you can do two things. You can allow it to kill you or in that process, you learn the lesson and you make something good come out of it, you know? And I remember that time I just, I just fell in love with God, Sarah. Like I fell in love with my creator. I developed, I deepened a relationship with God. It wasn't about religion for me and it still isn't. It's about knowing that in that, in that point of my life, I could have died, but because I had God, I, I was able to survive it. And so the reconciliation, here's the, this is how God brought our family back together. Around that time, I'm in Jacksonville, probably six months, never really talked to my husband. Like I knew that time I didn't want to, I didn't speak to him. If The only time we spoke is if it had to do with money. And my husband's an amazing provider. That's one thing about him. Like he's going to make sure his family has, he's acting crazy, but the money was always all on me. Like he never messed with the money or anything like that. So the, that's the only time, you know, he would be like, okay, I'm only taking two, $300 to survive, you know, to live. Everything else is for y'all, you know? So he was really, always really good about that. But that's the only time we'd have conversation. He would send me flowers, honey. No, not mm-hmm. doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I, I wasn't, I wasn't in that space anymore. I really let him go. There's a nugget for whoever's listening right, right now. You know, sometimes we hold on to something so much that we want it so bad, but we have to let it go to see if it comes back to us. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had to do. I had to let my husband go to see if this was real, to see if all this dysfunction, all this sinful stuff that we did in our marriage. Okay. Can it survive? And that was basically what I was praying to God. I'm like, if we can make it through this, we can make it. And so though that time was basically my time with God. And then one day I will, I'll never forget. I was sitting at church with my mom and a text came from him and he invited me to come to a military ball. And I remember looking at the text and I'm like, I'm in church, brother, leave me alone. Like, like stop texting me. You know, it was always, <laughs> always like that. I'll go days and only even answer his text. And I showed it to my mom and my mom, was, my mom was like, you need to go. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I'm not ready. And she was like, no, you need to go. And then, so I prayed about it. And this other lady, she had told me that I needed to go and, so, you know, spiritual woman in my life that I really, you know, trusted and admired or whatever. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go. Girl, I went. (laughs) He booked me a ticket, got to New Jersey. We went to New York. I remember we spent a day in New York City. Just we didn't talk about it in the past or anything. Hadn't seen him for months, you know, and it was it was great, you know, that night. And oh, let me back up. So the day before I leave, my mother rubs my belly and she says, We bring back the boy. You bring back the boy. And I'm like, Mom, stop. Okay. I'm not having sex with this dude. Like, I don't know what he's been doing in New Jersey. I'm not having sex with him. She's like, "Uh uh-uh, nope. You bring back the boy. You bring back the boy. Let me give you a side note. So one of the things that really, like, messed with my husband, I can't even, I don't even know if I have the the words, but something that toiled him him just as a man, the fact that he couldn't have a boy. Mm -hmm. Really, really, really messed with his ego for years because his brother, he has one brother and his brother's first and only child is a, a boy. And so now he's having all these girls. I remember our number four, we just knew the fourth one was going to be the boy. 
I mean, had the name picked on everything and we get to the ultrasound and it's another girl. That's how she ends up in, we call her Alexandra because she was supposed to be Alexander. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I remember my husband crying like a baby, you know, mm-hmm. because he really wanted that boy so bad. But I, so I know that's a part of his story. I can't really tell his story. It's his story. But I know that's something that really messed with him. So anyways, I'm in New York City with him and... And that night we go back to the house and of course we have sex and I get back home within two weeks. I just knew it. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of Myrtle, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> we had sex one time. Like, you know, you think about the odds of that. You can only get pregnant right. two days out the month. Right. So what yeah. happens that one weekend I go to visit him that one time we have sex and I get pregnant with what we now have our son, you know, and through that, my husband's heart changed and God put our family back together. You know, the question I want to ask you of clarity is how did your mom come back in your life? So you said you went and stayed with her. How did you mend that relationship? I think again, just through forgiveness, it was never really a conversation. I don't know if it's just culture, but it was just, you know, she moved back to Jacksonville. And God, of course, always had worked on my heart about forgiveness. That's something about me that I forgive very easily because I know the person I, that I am and used to be. I need forgiveness all the time. So mm-hmm. I never held anything against my mom. Never. Like, you know, some people, you know, will still have issues with their parents because their parents weren't there. That was never my problem. Never. As a matter of fact, when I got to know my mom, Sarah, I was like, God did me a favor. This lady is a mess. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I probably would end up having more issues had she been in my life. If that's, mm-hmm. if, if that's not like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know how to explain that, but mm-hmm. knowing her who she is now. And I always tell people, everyone is dealing with their own stuff. And my mom came from a very abusive marriage. I remember as a kid, before I moved to the United States, I remember my dad beating her you know, like terribly, Mm. you know, and she would, the way she was raised as a kid. So she had her own issues. So she never, she was never mothered. She never know how to be a mother. Like she, she has seven children. She don't, she never has been a mother to any of us. Mm -hmm. She just never had those motherly instincts. And so now because I lack that so much, Sarah, that is why I pour into my children because Mm -hmm. I knew that I came from that. You know what I mean? Right. I had to break that cycle and really pour into my kids, you know, really yeah. pour into my kids. I was thinking, how is she staying with her mom? When did she come back into her life? And so I think that's something about you though, Natasha, that is just so glaringly clear is your ability to have mercy for other people. Mm-hmm. And you must really have that as a gift. One of your gifts must be mercy. (laughs) I just love that because too, I think so often we can go exactly the same way as our parents or we can go the opposite. And it seems like you have chosen the opposite path. Yes, yes. Very intentionally, very intentionally because I knew so many th- different things I knew that I didn't want to happen to my kids. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. That was the very first one. I knew that I wanted to be a great mom, you know, like I was sharing on stage. That's what I've always wanted because I didn't have a mother. I wanted that more than anything in life was to be somebody's mom because what I was missing, that missing piece of me, I wanted to fill that into somebody else. And I didn't want my children to ever fill that void or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I'd never want them to experience that. The fact that I knew that exotic dancing was something that probably could have repeated in my generation or mm-hmm. my children. I broke that cycle very early on. I remember when Alexis was really young. She was a baby. I remember catching her dancing very provocatively, mm-hmm. you know, she had just really great rhythm, you know, and immediately as soon as I could afford to, I think she was like three or five years old. I put her in dance class mm-hmm. because <laughs> I kept her there. The path that I went down as being an exotic dancer, I did not want my child to go down that path. Not saying anything about exotic dancers, nothing mm-hmm. at all. I had mm-hmm. the time being an exotic dancer, let me tell you. But at the same time, I did not want my daughter to go down that path. So I found her gift early and I invested in her. And it cost me thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. But it was a seed that I wanted to plant in her just so that cycle wouldn't repeat in mm. my kid. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Hmm. Such a an amazing way to put a positive spin on it and nurture that in her rather than saying, just don't do this. You know what I mean? Which I think a lot of parents would say, this is forbidden. Don't do it rather than nurturing it. Right, right. And it's important that we nurture their gifts. That's one of my key points in parenting is you know, find out your children's gift as early as you can, as soon as you see it, mm-hmm. you invest in it because it's going to keep them focused. It's going to build their confidence and it's going to keep them out of trouble. Yeah. You know, my kids, especially Alexis Harris, she never had time to do anything else because she was always in somebody's dance class. So we kept her focused and driven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was worth the it was worth the investment for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's way better at night, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I see that a lot in doing, you know, family therapy. Kids just have too much time on their hands. They're they're not they have too much idle time to do, you know, be on the phones and the video games and all of that. But I want to bring it back to your, when your marriage was mended and when you, and so you moved back to New Jersey, I'm assuming. Yes. I moved back to Jersey, brought the kids back, got them back in school. And then I found myself lost. I did here's the other changing point in my life. Even though now my marriage is, you know, mended, we're reconciled, my family's back together. But now it's time to finally like look at myself in the mirror and said, oh my God, you just survived hell for the Mm -hmm. literally the past 20 something years. You're broken, you're lost, you have no identity, you have no self-worth, no self-esteem. You've given everything to your children, okay? Because aside from, I did, I was able to sneak off two years and go to school two, three years and become an x-ray tech. And then I went on my bachelor's degree. So I was able to do that within raising my kids. But throughout my whole time in this marriage, I've only worked for two years. I've always, always been home with the kids. And now I found myself in a place 
what about me? <laughs> you know, like I've poured, I've given everything to my family, everything to these six children, everything to this man. What about me? Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I go to my book, you know, and this scripture jumps out at me. And I remember being like 30 pounds overweight, wasn't really liking what I was seeing in, my, in the mirror. And it wasn't just about baby weight. It was just like I didn't like what I saw, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I found a scripture in the Bible that says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. And that scripture jumped out at me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get my body together. I'm going to go on a health journey. And that's what changed everything for me, for me personally. And I'm not talking about my husband. I'm not talking about the kids. I'm talking about for me. Now I was doing something for me to make me happy, you mm-hmm. know? And I never done that before, Sarah. Like I never took the time to put me first, you know? It was always about, okay, what about the kids? What about their gifts? What about putting them in this? What about doing this for them? What about keeping this man happy? Is he cheating? Is he not cheating? Where is he? What is he doing? You know, and I consumed my whole entire life with that. And so now I was like, you know what? Look, bro, it's between you and God. I got to that place of peace again. You know, I got to the place of, okay, I love these kids, but they're going to leave this house soon. But what about me? And so I, I got into juicing. I did a lot of research on what I needed to do. And juicing was a thing that worked for me. And I just started juicing and my husband joined me on the journey and we just went on this, this health journey together. And two months into it, somebody reaches out to me because they saw my health journey on Facebook and they reached out to me and they shared this network marketing company with me at the time. And then I, I joined the company and I went like all in. And, and of course I had never heard of network marketing before. It was just something new to me. Again, I've just always been a mom and a wife just at mm-hmm. home. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's coming into this online space. So all this stuff is new to me. Then they tell me I need to do personal development. I'm like, what's personal development? And they was like, you need to get on Audible and start listening to this book. And one of the first books I read or I listened to, because I was never a reader, was Think and Grow Rich. Oh my gosh. I listened to that book. I was like, what the world? Like, it was almost like someone <laughs> opened up a Pandora box up to me, like almost like I, I've been living under a rock and all these different theories and different things, the different way people think had opened up to me. And of course I bring my children on the journey with me, mm-hmm. even though it was my thing, I just couldn't leave everybody behind because now my mindset is beginning to shift about how, how I thought about so many things. And then, you know, I started reading books like Darren Hardy's book, Compound Effect, and just so many different books. I just couldn't get enough of it. And then I listen to this podcast and I meet Nadia Melton. And then she puts me on this um, 30-day video challenge. At the time, it wasn't even Facebook Live. It was Periscope. And I did that. And people were like, they were like amazed by it. They were like, oh my God, you're so amazed. I'm like, what? Amazing at what? Like, I I was confused. I was like, oh my God. Because at that time, I was just sharing my story because mm-hmm. I didn't know what to talk about. So I would just share little bits of peace. And of course, I didn't know what my purpose was. Of course, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I was just being honest and real and transparent and just sharing. I just wanted to share my story. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it wasn't even really about like helping people. I didn't even really think about that. You know, it was like, okay, I got to do this challenge. Let me just share my story. Because I've always been like an open person anyway. Mm-hmm. And then so that's how it, that's what really shifted everything for me. And then I just started doing more work. 
I started hiring, I started hired a coach. I went on a retreat and I started meeting all these different people online. And, and that was just basically, you know, what shifted, you know, my world, you know, because I always thought that I, all I was going to be was just a mom and a wife. I didn't know that I had purpose. I didn't know there was a call on my life. I didn't know I would touch people's lives with my story or help someone that reaches out to me and say, oh my gosh, your story touched me and I'm going through this. What should I do? And, you know, I, I never thought that, you know, the places that I've spoken at, the, you know, the place that I've been and I've traveled, I would have never thought that that would happen. But mm-hmm. I think it took from, it took for me to get to a place where I accepted that I was broken and I was able to own it. Like we talked about in the beginning mm-hmm. and, um, and I was willing to share it, you know, yeah, really helped me heal. Not saying that everything in our life is perfect because it's not, <laughs> mm-hmm. but at the same time, we're at a place where we understand that our help comes from a greater source than ourselves and that, you know, there's purpose in our lives. And this is just the beginning. I think this, I feel like there's just going to be another shift in my life. I feel like something big is getting ready to happen. And, and this is just the beginning of my story. Another, sh- another big shift is getting ready to happen for us. So, yeah. Ooh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can see that shift coming. Yes. Yeah. You have a powerful message and story to share for sure. Maybe it's your book. You think? I think, but this is the thing with my, <laughs> I'm just not a writer. So I would have, I would need a ghost writer to help me put in. Um, that would be the thing. That thing, that's what's stopping me. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Or you just speak it and have somebody type it out for you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I can't wait for it when it does come out <laughs> someday. <laughs> it's just so amazing to me, though, and I have to say this, what an example you are of walking in your truth. There's such freedom in that. And I think that I can feel the freedom off of you. Like none of this stuff holds me down. None of this defines me. None of it dictates who I am. And gosh, I think that's such a hard concept for people to grasp that we are not our actions. We are not the decisions we've made. We're not the mistakes we've made. So often I think we look to everybody else to find our worth. And so I think your story is just such a testimony to not needing to look outside of yourself. And one thing you said at the event that really stuck with me and we were talking about what do you do if people won't go with you on this growth journey that you are, have taken? What do I do if my partner or somebody that I love won't go with? And you said something and I don't know if you remember what you said. <laughs> Maybe I need to prompt you <laughs> because I can get stuck in that. Yeah. Like, that that's probably one of my biggest areas of growth of like trudging through going forward, even if people aren't coming with me. So do you remember what you said that day? Absolutely. I had to make sure that everyone understood that because of course we want our families to go on the journey with us. How beautiful would that be? Especially if our spouses right there hand in hand, but let's face it. The reality is we are individuals 
everybody's not going to want to go. And that is okay. And we have to get to the point to understand that that is okay. And if they're not willing to go, you love them right where they are and you move forward anyway. Because at the end of the day, and this is what I always keep in mind, at the end of the day, I am going to have to answer to my creator of what I did when I was here in this just short amount of time. If you think about it, we're not here for that, <laughs> that long. Mm. This short amount of time, what did I do with the gifts and the talents that he gave me for others? Because that's what it's about. It's always about other people. And so if we're waiting on our friends and our family and our spouse and our children to jump on the bandwagon, we might miss our opportunity. What are we going to say? Well, I was waiting on my husband. Well, my husband didn't want to. Uh-uh. That's not going to, that's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. So we have to move forward, love them, pray that they come with us, but we always have to move forward. And that's just it. You know, and the same thing with a spouse that's willing to move forward. Don't hold them back. Let them go. You know, because when I was born, when you were born, we came through this thing alone. And when we die, we're going to die alone. When we stand before our creator, we're going to stand before our creator alone. Right? Our family's not going to be gathering there as a group and be like, okay, this is what we did. No. All right? I think we all have a mandate and a responsibility to encourage our family members and our loved ones, you know, to come with us. But if they don't, we got to move forward. And that's the piece that I had to grasp within myself and I have to move forward. Yes. Yeah. Such an important thing to grasp that we are the only ones to answer for our life, how we spent it. Absolutely. And Don Cole, comedian on Netflix, I was watching his stand up and he said this one thing, a lot of stuff he said was just, just so out of control, but <laughs> I always pull out some <laughs> nuggets, right? And this one nugget he said stood out to me and And it was basically saying that, you know, we have to live our life to the fullest because if you think about it, we only have summers left. So if we're in our forties, we have about good 30 summers left. Think about that. Mm -hmm. We only have 30 more summers. You know what I mean? So do I have time to be playing games when I only have 30 summers left? No, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. Like what that just puts so many things for me in perspective like I have 30 more summers, maybe I'm 40, I'll be 44 this month. Hmm. Maybe less than that, you know, mm-hmm. if God grants me that, you know, so we need to live our life to the fullest, you know, operate in our gifts, move forward, take, you know, risks, you know, jump when we need to and just have fun doing it because these summers, honey, <laughs> they're yeah. coming through. <laughs> they're oh. coming to fast yeah that is so true such a great perspective oh yeah if I would have understood that in my 20s the mistakes that I've made my goodness I've wasted so many years fighting with my husband and that's why I love to talk about marriage Mm -hmm. you know especially these the wives like that was like me that just spent so many years worrying about what this man's doing Mm -hmm. you know that you know what I mean like years I literally wasted about 10 summers of my life on my husband. No. Mm. But so now what I, what can I do? I can educate women. Like, listen, mm-hmm. you know, work on yourself, love yourself first, you know, figure out what your gifts are, what your calling is and you get to work on that. The man will come when he's ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So good. So good. Yes. Amen, sister. 
<laughs> love it. All right. I'm going to move into the questions that I have for you. So the first one is, is what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth? The most vital? I think my relationship with God. I'm always taken back to that. I mean, it mm-hmm. might sound cliche. I don't think I would be the person I am without God. I don't think I would have friends. <laughs> I don't think anybody would like me. You know what I mean? Because I wouldn't yeah. be a person that forgives. I wouldn't give mercy like you talked about. So he has been everything to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when I for really gave my life to God is what really changed me. He's taught me how to love unconditionally everyone, you know, not saying that I'm perfect, but that has been the change, the game changer in my life, not religion, because there's a difference, mm-hmm. but a relationship relationship God. Yeah. Yeah. Walking away from this podcast, what do you want to make sure that people know? Know that you're enough, know that you're worthy and know that the one that created you loves you just the way you are. Because I think sometimes we want to change or we feel like we've, and I did this too for many years, and this is probably why I can extend mercy and grace and forgiveness like I do, because I felt like, my God, I've, I've done so much. There is no way you could love me. I've done mm. so much. There's no way that, you know, I can be forgiven or I can even be loved or I deserve love. Mm-hmm. But you, you deserve love. The best is still yet to come, no matter where you feel that you are right now in your life and you feel like I'm going to die right here. I I remember times in my life where I remember sitting on this very bed and thinking like, God, are you going to allow me to die in this pain? Mm. And I could always feel this peace. Like, no, you're not. So just keep that. I want people to think, you know, as they're listening to this, to understand that you're not going to die there. The greater is coming, Mm. you know, you just got to get through this season. Mm. So good. Soak that in, ladies. (laughs) Soak it in. (laughs) All right, Natasha, I know that everybody listening is going to really want to find you and connect with you. So can you let everybody know kind of what you're up to? I don't know if you're offering anything right now and where they can connect with you. Absolutely. Well, you can find me on my Facebook page. It's probably where I live the most. Natasha Paris. I also have a group the group is called Excellent Families. I have a page with, if you want to see my family, all my kids and the husband, you can find us at the Paris family. And the only thing I always like to offer, and that's to everyone, is wellness. I am part of a company that I'm very passionate about that teaches wellness. So if you're looking to get healthy and bring healthy products in your home, cleaning products, stuff like that, that is all, that's what I'm about. I'm all about wellness. So you can definitely reach out to me for that as well. Awesome. All right. And I'll have all of those links in the show notes as well. So people can get to you easier. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank so you much. for this having me. <laughs> absolutely amazing. I, gosh, I just really appreciate you and your vulnerability and your heart and your desire to lift up women by speaking your truth. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Sarah. 
All right, my friends, what an awesome interview. We absolutely believe in the power of our stories, and we are so very grateful to our guests who have the courage to speak their truth and share their heart, experiences, and light with all of us. If you want more of the We Podcast, make sure you head over to thewespot.com where you can find all of our episodes as well as the We Spot blog. The We Spot is your go-to spot for growth, connection, authenticity, and encouragement. You can also find us on social media. Head over to the We Spot Facebook and Instagram pages and get plugged in. You can also find me, Sarah Moneras, on my personal Facebook and Instagram pages as well. If you love the We Podcast, we would be thrilled for you to rate the podcast and write us a review. We want as many people as possible to be lifted up in growth and get connected with our community. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes dropping every single week. We can't wait to see you over on social media. Thank you for being here today. It means a lot to us. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.